Hello, Stephen Jolly here. Vision Australia Radio's 2022 listener survey is on now. What do you like most about our service? Where are you listening from? How can we improve? Share your thoughts and help shape the future of Vision Australia Radio. You'll have the chance to win one of 10 Amazon Echo Dots with Alexa, thanks to station sponsor, Amazon. Terms and conditions apply. Visit varadio.org and click on the homepage link to take part. But do it before October the 10th. On Vision Australia Radio, you're listening to The Seeing Eye Dog Show with me, your host, Hart Muffet. Today, I've got two guests joining us. Within one episode, we're talking about the 2022 Youths Program pilot. The two guests are Darren Moyle, Orientation and Mobility Specialist with Vision Australia, and Jackie Birchall, Seeing Artist Instructor. You may remember that earlier this year, Brooke Anderson, Seeing Artist Instructor, joined us talking about what the program would entail and what would be happening throughout the year. Closing the end of the year and having done the two camps, the program is starting to come to a bit of a conclusion. So we're going to be talking a little bit about what was involved, the goals and um, and, and kind of results for the participants. And so if you are interested in uh, taking part in this program yourself if you're a person who is blind or has low vision looking into um, seeing our dogs or dog guide mobility and you are a, a young person listen in to find out if the youth program is interesting to you um, and to find out if you'd like to apply so uh, without further ado here is my interview with Jackie and Darren talking about the 2022 youth program Hi, Darren and Jackie, thank you for joining me on the show today. No worries. Thanks for having us. So we're just going Thanks, to Harry. start off. What are your roles in the youth program? Um, so my role at Vision Australia, it's Darren. I'm an orientation and mobility specialist. Um, and um, our role has been around just developing, developing the content for this program. Um, and I've worked in collaboration with, um, with Brooke Anderson and Jackie um, around the content for what we're delivering with to these kids um so we we as part of delivering the program we've created the content around uh, you know the various modes service delivery um modalities so around zoom sessions um like sort of theory-based sessions as well as um in um sending lesson plans to orientation mobility specialists for whoever the students work with and also all the content for the camp and we kind of all work together to to um contribute and collaborate to make sure that you know um we're all getting we're all sort of ticking all the boxes and getting covering all bases of what the students have needed over the year so it's basically been a a big team effort and this is your first year doing the or or, you know this is the first year of the youth program yes this was our pilot um pilot year where um so we were doing um a lot of this was a bit of learning for us as well so we created the content we had we went through all the um you know approvals with um our senior leadership team and things like that um and around the recruitment of the students um and to the way that we've delivered it so you know we've made some we'll be making some minor modifications for the 2023 program but um yeah it's been a great um really successful first year so who were the attendants of the Seeing Artists Youth Program? You know, what were the ages or, you know, and were they from any particular state or location? Sure. This year we had six participants um, and they were age, uh, ranging from um, 13 um, to 17 years of age. And those students were, we had five students from Victoria and some of them lived in regional areas of Victoria and we had one student from Brisbane. 
And so, um, but they all met on the camp, um, which we were, which we held in Kensington in April and in October. But they also met regularly online during our monthly Zoom meetings. So hopefully some uh, friendships have formed from that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, there's also, as part of it, we've had sort of a, um, they've sort of had a, a WhatsApp chat going as well. So they've stayed in regular communication and they're able to share the successes with their orientation and mobility and the new travel routes that they're learning, um, as well as sharing like interesting um, podcasts or YouTube videos from, you know, other people who are using um, a dog guide um, and some other kind of, you know, select, you know, more celebrities who kind of are dog guide users and they're, you know, so they've been able to sort of share that content with each other. So how long was the program running for? Um, so the program runs from um, this early February um, and our last session is in December. Um, we will have a, a final finale and a bit of a trivia, um, a trivia night with families um, going through all things seeing eye dogs and orientation mobility and the things that they would have learned over the, over the program. Um, and then after that, um, students are given feedback around what is, you know, some of their next steps, which might vary depending on sort of how their mobility skills developed over the year um, and what their current capacity is for working a dog. So some of those students may complete and, and be ready to have a, an assessment um, directly with seeing eye dogs to go on, potentially to go on a wait list. And some of the other students are maybe given a plan um, to move forward to continue working and building their skills. So the dog is maybe in the future, but maybe a little bit further down the track. I guess I probably should have asked this. I feel like this probably feels like uh, should have been the first question, but hey-ho. Um, what was the focus of the program? The focus of the program was about letting children, letting, you know, high school students explore whether dog mobility is for them um, and sort of that sort of self-determination piece around being able to make an informed decision about your mobility and the aid that you use for, for your mobility. So throughout the program, um, we've asked students to think about what they're doing regularly in their travel routes and, you know, if they're using a long cane, thinking about how that helps them now, but maybe what would a, how would a dog impact that travel and how may a dog impact their life? So hopefully at the end of the program, the students who, you know, these six students this year who are completing will have a really um, clear formed idea and really great knowledge to be able to make an informed choice about, you know, what we know is quite a big commitment for have it, to have a seeing eye dog as part of your world. So, you know, that's what we're hoping kids will leave, leave the 12-month program with us having. So I guess one of the things that um, that happened more recently was the last camp that you did, or the, the September camp that you did. How did the camps go? Um, well, th this one and what was the last one in April, something like that? Jackie will probably be able to <laughs> fill you in a little bit with the camps. Yeah, so we had our April camp, so earlier in the year, and then feels like five minutes ago, really hard to believe that we just had our September camp as well. Um, and the September camp went really well. It was a great Great way to see the consolidation of knowledge coming together. Um, the April camp was, you know, a little bit of an introduction. What are, you know, what is a seeing eye dog? What do they do? And then this camp, it was, you know, giving the young or the youth more responsibility. They were able to independently, you know, feed, toilet, all of those things without really much reminder at all. And I think it was a really nice mix of reuniting with each other in person as well, getting a different dog, so really getting to 
work with the different types of dogs that we produce and then adding some new challenges. So we did a night route as well, which we didn't get to do on the first program and adding in some more complexity. So walking through Mooney Ponds and some indoor travel, which is a little bit of a busier hub in Melbourne, lots of people, lots of cafes. So up to the ante there, but did really well. And the feedback we've got so far has been really positive. So learnt a lot, lots of fun, and also come out with a clear idea, especially from some of the participants about where they would like to go next with their seeing eye dog journey or dog guide in general. So not only did they kind of get to, I guess, in, in enjoy their time and experience, but they now have actually kind of started to really understand it and actually you can see those skills develop as well? Yeah, definitely. Very impressive with the skill sets and that retention of knowledge from the first camp and then being able to apply it. So throughout the Zoom sessions that Darren mentioned, um, there's a heavy focus on orientation mobility, problem solving, you know, what happens if you're on public transport and you end up in a place that you didn't necessarily mean to end up, how do you work out where to go next, those sorts of things. So we're able to put lots of those skills into practice and work through them. So being able to see the whole program and learnings that they've done on Zoom and with their O&Ms come together for those three days. And we're not quite finished yet, but it's a, yeah, really nice way to summarise how the year's progressed so far. And I guess that actually feeling and doing the, the stuff with the dogs is just, it's just not something that you could quite describe in the same way um, as, as doing it and feeling it um, in, in person. If that makes sense. <laughs> yep. There's only so many books you can read until you actually get that dog in your hand and appreciate exactly what it feels like, what it looks like, how much work can sometimes go into it. Like we had the feedback of, you know, I'm about to go out for dinner. When do I feed my dog? You know, those little things that, you know, you don't really, <laughs> really think about practically until you're in the situation. Surprisingly, you don't actually have to feed a white cane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, common misconception. <laughs> so what did happen on the youth camps? I mean, obviously you, you did some kind of walks around. You know, what was the experience had by, had by participants? Darren, did you want to jump in there to sure. summarise? No worries. Um, yes, sure. So on the, um, the experience on the youth camp, on both of them, you know, was around building out to build the students um, to work on orient their orientation and mobility skills firstly. So, um before we would do any walk with 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 a seeing eye dog, we would spend some time orientating their participants to the route. So, if we were walking up to the shops, the the, guy, the kids would walk up to the shops with their canes and explore the different road crossings and the route that they would have to take. Um, and then that would that was followed up by doing the actual practical walk with the dog. So, you know, the full focus can be on around, you know, being able to communicate well with the dog and not having to kind of learn that travel um, travel route as you're, as you're walking with the dog. Um, they were also, you know, they, apart from sort of doing multiple walks with the seeing eye dog and, you know, uh, you know, learning all the, um, they also spent time learning all the practicalities. So learning about feeding, toileting, grooming. So on the last camp, you know, the kids um, and on the first camp, all the students had to, you know, be responsible for, you know, um, cleaning up after their dog, um, taking them you know, to the toilet run or taking them out, toileted them in the community in, in an appropriate place. They're also responsible for, um, you know, um, keeping up the, the dog's needs with in terms of um, food and drink. And, you know, they were also um 
responsible. I also spent some time in our kennels as well, and they um they all grew they all um bath their their dog on camp as well, which is I think they really love that experience. Um, we also spent time talking about um just more theory-based things around the way that we use different tone and pitch to communicate to our dogs and how that might, um, you know, how we might use a different tone to communicate um, if we want our dog to go faster as opposed to our dog going slower. And it's not always just in the words that we say. Um, And then I suppose one of the best things about the camp is that these students um, who, you know, for the most part are probably in their school or in their community has been, you know, most likely the only student with a vision impairment um, inside the school and um, to get together with sort of five other students who are going through the same thing as you and, you know, have the same kind of lived experience as you um, was really invaluable. And, you know, there's a couple of relationships that I think will be longstanding, you know, and it's just about hanging out at nighttime and eating some pizza and talking about what they experienced in, in the day and, you know, what they experience at school on a daily day-to-day basis and, and how they think the dog you know, may impact their world and hearing that from one another, you know, to be honest, from my observations is sometimes one of the more valuable parts of, of the kids coming. So as the 2022 program concludes, um, and obviously I think you've got, what, a, a month and I know some of that's kind of Zoomy things, what's left for t- participants? So after the, um, after the camp in September, um, all the participants were given a staff reflection feedback and we also ask for their reflections as well. Um, but in that, we look at sort of the students' um, orientation and mobility um, skills and the kind of the workload, so how much travel they are doing during their regular week. Um, and we look at sort of how they went with, um, you know, managing and, and handling and walking with their with this seeing our dog over camp. And those students are given... Um, some recommendations and for some students um, that that was to um, you know complete a you know to to proceed and to go and have a, an assessment um, by a, a separate staff member at seeing my dogs and some of those students were um, have been you know encouraged to continue working on some of their skills um, and make sure that their routines for next year are kind of quite firm so some some you know as teenagers do Things change, you know, we change schools, you know, um, change into different learning environments like TAFE University. So just saying find out find out what exactly what you're doing um, in 2023 and we'll continue to be in touch and work with you and your O&M to, you know, to keep on building your skills. So, you know, if dog mobility is still for you and, you know, we see it's in your future, we'll work with you to get you there. But, you know, we're all individuals and the time frame, the time frames are all different for everybody. So in, in summary and in, the, in this kind of pilot program, what has been learnt and achieved by participants? Well, I hope um, at the end of the program, really the overarching thing is that, that the participants will have a good understanding whether, you know, of, you know, the positives and also the considerations of having a, having a dog guide in their world, um, knowing about what they might need to think about with managing a dog with inside the school environment and also their social, their social life. And also, you know, being able to, you know, think into the future about when they potentially leave school and move on to further learning or work. Um, they've had a lot of opportunity to talk about these things. And um, in addition to that, and, and probably, you know, um, you know, super importantly is a lot of the students have probably found that the seeing eye dog has been a really great motivational factor in them 
um, progressing their orientation and mobility. So a lot of them have worked quite hard with their O&Ms or with their families on different travel routes in their communities. Um, and hearing the difference, wasn't it, Jackie, from um, from April to October, uh, sort of the camp in September, a lot of the students had really um, progressed their travel route. So they're doing more things. You know, some of the students are traveling on the train to school or um, traveling around their local community, um, whether it's walking routes or public transport routes. But a lot of those travel, a lot of that travel really increased, um, which was, yeah, such a such a huge win um, for students being a part of the program um, and also such a great um, thing to have that workload, you know, more established if the dog you know, is coming into into that student's world within the next six months or 12 months. So now it's basically, I guess, if they have decided to, um, I guess, uh, continue on with that assessment, um, it's just a case of, I guess, joining join the wait list. But if not, they've still developed some amazing skills or improved them. Exactly. Yeah. That. Yeah. Exactly. They've improved them, and you know, they they have a really they have a, a clear path of when we're going to be in touch um, early in the new year, or, or you know, in the early first quarter of next year, of saying, well, what's next for you, and let's keep working on your journey um, to get you to where you want to be, and and if if that's you know having having a, a dog guide as your primary aid, let's keep working on it. So. Yeah, so- and I can. Say that we've even had a couple of application packs go out to some of the participants. So <coughs> the first box there, which is really exciting. I mean, that's the start of a very exciting journey for some of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So looking forward to seeing how that progresses and ending up on our wait list, hopefully. Are you planning the 2023 youth program? And, you know, if so, is it still open for applicants and who's eligible and who can and how can you find out more? Yeah, it's um definitely still open. Darren and I are meeting quite frequently at the moment as we plan what the 2023 program will look like, and we're working out participants for our 2023 program as well. So it's looking like we've got a similar similar group of a similar age bracket at the moment. Applications are still open, although we'll probably have to look at tying that up within the next month or so. Would you agree, Darren? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, keep that. Moving just so that we can then look at funding and getting the program organised because we do kick off in January with our first Zoom. So we'd, we'd like to have it all ready and finalised for the end of the year. So ages and location, is it about the same? And, and is it anyone across Australia within the age range? Yeah, so um, in terms of um, yeah, in terms of that sort of criteria around um, you know being selected to participate in the program, we are accepting you know in general we're accepting students from across Australia. Probably one of the conditions being that they do have access to to receiving um, individual orientation and mobility training because that is a key element of this program um, is around building that those those skills. So you know there are plenty of um, O&Ms who do work you know in different parts of Australia. Um, and uh, you know, and we do, yeah. So we will accept um, students um, who who do live, you know, anywhere because we. The great thing about it is when we meet, we meet on Zoom, and when we do um, have those two camps in the year, we students will fly, um, you know, as as the student did this year from Brisbane, flew down to Melbourne for both of the camps. Um, in addition to that, some of the criteria that we look at um, is around probably 
well, probably re- probably number one is, you know, a desire to want to explore dog mobility. Um, it needs to be driven by the student themselves. They, they want to explore it and that they think that this potentially could be a great aid for them in the future. Um, secondly, that they currently use a primary aid, you know, the, or they have a need for a primary mobility aid. So they're using a long cane. They might not use a long cane in every single scenario that they're traveling, but in, in general terms that they find that the long cane is of benefit to them. Um, and then also we look at, um, you know, what is, what's their current level of, of mobility. So are they able to, what we kind of ask is students have the ability to travel around, you know, to the places they need to get to within inside their school independently. They don't need to know the whole school like the back of their hand, but just the places they need to go. So those travel routes from maths to English to their locker and to the form room, all those things they're able to do. Um, and perhaps they're either they're able to travel um, around their local area, you know, to, to some extent. So walking around the block, um, walking up to the local sh- local store, or maybe w- at least working on that with an O&M. So I suppose that there is some level of independent mobility happening in their current travel. And then the only other things would be is just around being able to be happy and, and able to leave home um, for those two um, t- two night camps that we have and being able to sort of administer medication and, you know, um, be independent in sort of those personal care routines. Is the program NDIS funded or, or is that something that you would work with each participant or applicant for? Um, so I can, because because this is still um, pretty new to us, I can let you know over last, over this current year, the six students uh, that were all funded by NDIS um, and seeing our dogs do work with all the applicants to, as Jackie mentioned before, to make sure that we have a really strong case to pose to NDIS um, around the funding and how that is beneficial to to that student's um, goals and their progression with their mobility um, and their choices, um, you know, those reasonable and necessary choices that NDIS ask for. So um, having said that, you know, um, if students um, either aren't eligible to, for NDIS or, you know, we have any particular issues, um, you know, Vision Australia and Seeing Our Dogs have been um, pretty generous so far in terms of saying that we can have some um, some funding provided by uh, by donations, by, by our generous donors, which is which is um, fantastic. So I suppose as we're developing and um, developing the program further, it's great to have um to have that as an opportunity if we need it. But luckily so far, we we haven't had to um, tap into donation funding just yet. And just to finish off, why, uh, if if someone is considering it, why should a young person who is blind to have a vision um, consider applying for the youth program? I suppose because checking, finding out, um, you know, what mobility aid is useful for you is a really important decision to make in life and having you know spending the time as a young person to talk to other people hear from hear advice from previous you know current and previous dog users and also learn you know learn skills from sort of our seeing eye dog staff or, or orientation mobility specialists at a young age it's useful to develop and under, that understanding of what the commitment level is um, and how a dog may benefit you or also what are some of the considerations that, um, you know, you may or may not be okay with um, if the dog was to come into your world. So, you know, I think someone should, you know, consider applying um, if they, you know, if they're interested in hearing more about dog mobility, they want to increase their independent mobility skills um, and they want to just, you know, find out a little bit more 
um, and have a have a real life experience, you don't have heaps of opportunities where you can spend, you know, six days, you know, over a year where you've you, you know, you're actually living as a as a seeing eye dog handler. Um, so it's it's no, no better way to make that informed choice. If people are interested in applying, they can contact either Darren or myself, Jackie, and we'll be able to get in touch with you, organise a meeting, and we'll discuss what it looks like and the next steps from there. What's the best way for someone to contact you if they're interested? Yeah, can find our email addresses. Otherwise, we've got our email address, which is deadclients at visionaustralia.org. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, guys. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to The Seeing Otog Show on Vision Australia Radio. I hope you enjoyed my interviews with Darren and Jackie. If you'd like to find out more about the Seeing Otog's youth program, feel free to email either of them. Darren's email is darren.moyle, M-O-Y-L-E, at visionaustralia.org, and his phone number is 0437-780-785. Jackie's email is jackie.birchall, B-I-R-C-H-A-L-L, at visionaustralia.org, and her phone number is 0482 six two eight two seven or you can email said clients at at visionaustralia.org. If you'd like to find out more about seeing our dogs, the work we do, or how you can help, head to our website at sed.visionaustralia.org. We are looking for forty five loving homes for puppies in in Metro Melbourne, Bendigo, Ballarat, Sunshine Coast of Queensland and North Brisbane regions. So if you would like to welcome a lovely seeing artist puppy into your home, take the time uh, to help train them to become a seeing eye dog hopefully um, we are looking for people who are dedicated it doesn't matter if you are in a large house or an apartment if you have kids no kids retired working or you are a student as long as you're over 18 interested and keen to help out and have a current driver's license and access to a car please we would love to hear from you um, or if you would like to help spread the word head to our seeing eye dogs social media like facebook and instagram and share the word that we are looking for puppy carers all it really takes is a bit of love, dedication, time, and you get all of the support and costs covered by seeing our dogs. You get to work with a wonderful puppy development trainer, which will teach you all of the skills to help you uh, raise a puppy for someone who is blind and has low vision. So, so head to our seeing our dogs website at scd.visionaustralia.org if you'd like to find out more about puppy caring. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to tune in same time next week for another episode of the Seeing Our Dogs Radio Show. Thanks for listening to this Vision Australia radio podcast. Visit varadio.org to find out more about our podcasts.